As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to a very special edition of the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. I hope everyone is getting ready for bowls, college football playoff, you name it. It's a big week. There's football on every single day. This is going to be spectacular. It's the most wonderful wonderful time time of the year. year. I'm trying to see like what else we could do as a duo, like to get to a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. Like what if we have like a different talent, like singing, I I think might not be it, but like we're going to try anything. Yeah, I think I do think eating challenges help. I think, you know, my my kids when they were younger liked to watch the unboxing videos. So maybe we should just open boxes of toys. Yeah, like I thought opening boxes of uh, sports cards would be good. Oh, those are huge. Those the the ripping packs. Yeah, ripping packs. But also those boxes are like two grand. So I say you have to pay for the packs. You'll invest, and I'll open them, and I'll keep everything that's inside, and then can I get like a. A wax box of 88 tops. Yeah, you could probably get that for like 10 bucks, though. Okay, we, we can rip those packs. Like, <laughs> I got an Andre Dawson. Woo! <laughs> All just, right. just keep your head on a swivel for talents. You know, Ex- I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm, uh, I, I got mine on, on a swivel. We're going to hit, so. hit upon the right thing, but Travis Hunter did increase his YouTube subscriber count by over 30,000. Just saying, I'll tell you where I'm going. Oh, by the way, it's Colorado, but you already knew that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Savvy, savvy business move on his part, I like and it. I give him credit like for that. It. I unsubscribed to the channel after, though. Oh, that's mean. I did him dirty a little bit. You're, and, but but the thing is, you're, pl- you're probably one of ten people who did that. Everybody yeah. else is in, and they're getting push notifications every time that dude has a video pop but up. But I'm also subscribed to the Colorado channel, so I think I'll get all the Travis Hunter content that I need. I think you probably will. Speaking of content... This show is dedicated to the people who consume our content the most. These are the most dedicated listeners to this show. So when Spotify Wrapped came out in early December, this is when Spotify tells you the songs and podcasts that you listen to the most. Ari said, post it if we're in your top five, and we'll answer your questions on the show. So I screenshotted the the people who posted it, I reached out to a few of them, and I got their questions that they wanted to ask us. And these are people who are dedicated. I mean, so this is all top five. Most of these people, we were one or two. 
And so they are they are all about the grab ass. They love the show. They love dudes everywhere. They know mm-hmm. stars matter. Like it is these these are our people. So they asked some great questions too. So I wanted to start with with Shaka, who is a, a Kentucky fan. And I, I reached out and Shaka Shaka writes back, Are you looking for something insightful or grab ass? And I was like, why not both? So I'm gonna I'm gonna let Shaka ask two questions. So here's 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 the first the one. The one you picked to lead with, though, will tell you everything you need to know about this show. Well, I'm not picking the grab ass one because I okay, wanted to maybe tee I was you, wrong. Well, I wanted to tee you up with this one. This is a good one that I I we I think we probably should have gotten to this when we were talking about signing day last week, but and we kind of touched on it with Grace Rayner a little bit when we were talking about how NIL is is maybe spreading the wealth a tad. But this is this is something in the future that we, we don't know what's going to happen, but it's, it's an interesting question. Will the increase in playoff participants start the spread to wealth a little bit with these five-star recruits? When will we be able to really look and measure the impact? And so, he, you know, the question is, will the 12-team playoff spread the wealth more because there will be conceivably more teams capable of competing for the national title? I mean, you and I are on different sides of the equation on this, aren't we? Because no, you believe I don't, that, that I it will. I don't think we are. No? no? No, I think NIL will do it a lot more than than playoff opportunities. I think I think playoff opportunities will maybe sway one or two people to a particular like to like to a Penn State or a Wisconsin or a Florida. One of those teams that would have been in the playoff quite a few times had there been a 12 team playoff. I think the the fact that those types of programs now are in the mix. I think that's going to sway a couple, but I think NIL is going to going to sway the balance more. Yeah, I mean, I I have a hard time with this because I do think that you know having playoff banners in your building and you know being able to say, hey, we made the playoff X number of years out of the last X number of years is a good thing in the twelve team field. I think it changes the bar of accomplishment. But if you go back and look at some of the teams that made it as a one-off in the four-team field, which is a much better accomplishment, much harder accomplishment, mm-hmm. you haven't really seen a renaissance of insane recruiting results following it. Like when Washington no. won uh, the Pac-12 and made it to the – No, in fact, the, they had their, their better recruiting is what got them there. Is, yeah. Is Chris and Peterson's like, first I think recruiting they had class and his second, yeah. A small uptick the following few years, and but but nothing major. You know, Michigan made the playoff for the first time and beat Ohio State for the first time last year, and they were signing the worst class, I think, of the, of the Harbaugh era right, this right. year. It, 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 you know, better, their classes were better before all that. So, like, I don't know if there's been really much factual evidence in the uh, in the past, like Michigan State even, uh, when they made it. I think they did have an uptick a little bit, and that's when their, their program fell apart because it helped maybe get them away from what they were doing from that was actually working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I don't know if I sit here and say, well, you know what, you know, Penn State might be the nine or ten seed three more times. So now all of a sudden, the wealth that we want to spread around, which is referring to what top hundred players, are going to be like, you know what, I was going to go to Georgia, but I'm going to go to Penn State now because they're going to make the playoff. Like I don't, I don't think it's going to work that way. I think it's I think it's what we're actually already seeing because of NIL, where you're seeing players who would have gone to Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State. They're going to Texas, or they're going to Tennessee, or they're going to Oklahoma, or they're going to Oregon. And Alabama and Georgia obviously still getting most of those that they want. But they're not getting all that they want anymore. 
And yeah. that's where you see the difference. And I'm going to let the dust settle before I add it all up and do the math. But if you go look at the top 10 uh, players in the country, the number one player is going to Texas. Uh, the number two player was committed to Miami. The number he might be going to Colorado or he might be, be going, going to, to Alabama. Yeah. So. so if he ends up at Alabama, then, you know, hint, we're recording this a little early. But then you've got four to Tennessee, five to USC, six to Bama, seven to Oklahoma, eight to Miami, which is represented there, nine to A&M, who also might maybe, not be at A&M by the yeah, time. Yeah, maybe. And then 11 to UCLA. You got Oregon uh, in the top uh, 15. You, you know, there's there's more programs. Florida State signed Hakeem Williams. Penn State's got a top 30 player. Clemson's got a top 30 player. Like, there's a lot of, of distribution of programs up there right now. And, you know, it – it might be NIL related. It might not. I'm sure that it's it's partially to it, but you know more so than how they're dispersed. I want to know what the volume is. I think Alabama, right. you know, as we recorded this, had 14 top 100 players committed, but I don't think there's any other program outside of Georgia that is up in those numbers. And last year there were five teams that had more than 10. I think so. You know, the flattening of the curve is what we keep saying, and I think that that's something that might gradually happen as you know middle tier programs or programs that are trying to build something you know back up the Brinks trucks a little bit, but. Um, I don't think it's going to be the playoff. No, I, I think NIL is is the more powerful motivator and the more immediate motivator. You know, yeah. the playoff, you, you may or may not make it. So you know, Also, too, if you make the playoff and you have a good game on a stage and your team loses or wins, like, if anything, like, I mean, do you think it's going to make you more noticeable to the NFL draft people? No, they're I mean, already going to you. go look you. at the first round of the NFL draft last year, there was, like, a bunch of group of five guys in there. They'll find you. Yeah, they, they will find you. I, I mean, I do a, the podcast with Dane Brugger on the Athletic Football Show feed. They find everybody. And, and Andy, the funniest thing, too, is that like 15 years ago, playing in a nationally televised game meant more than it does now. Oh, yeah. So like if you made the playoff or the national championship game in 2004, you know, that was an opportunity for you to showcase your talent to everybody. Right, the, the but now every game is on, yeah. uh, is, is on TV. Yep. You and I are watching the sickos games on our iPads on Saturday. Like the, yeah. everybody's watching every game. So I don't know, like this playoff, does making the playoff mean more to a player because of general exposure, because it makes them feel like they accomplished something. Like I, I, wh- which I, I, one is it? Yeah, and some people just want to win championships. There, there are still I know, but players. But making the playoff isn't winning a championship. Oh, I know, I know, but they want to compete for it at the school they want to play for. Yeah, and that's there are still players who do have some sentimentality in their choosing of their school because they grew up a fan or because their parents went there or the, the, that still happens. It's not every time. And it was never every time before. I know everybody's like people used to go for the love of the school. No, they always made business decisions, but now they probably make more business decisions. And, but, but that still happens sometimes. So there's, there's probably some kid growing up in Harrisburg who always wanted to play for Penn state, who is going to be really good. And he's going to be recruited by Ohio state and Penn state. And in the 12 team playoffs, he's gonna go, you know what? I can probably do that at Penn state too. And maybe yeah. that's the difference. I don't. We'll see. Yeah, but I, I don't. Guess. But I don't think that's going to be the majority. I think yeah, the, the majority the truth are going to make business decisions. Recruiting like they is do. just uh, everyone's different, and everyone does it their own way. So will it, yeah. will it impact a few people? Maybe. Uh, so yep. do facilities. So do area of the country, and so does any other factor you can come up with. Will it be the overwhelming thing that changes the game? It won't be. No, I, I think nil will be. I think that that does change things. And it it may be pulling pulling it off of this super team thing, which it, it the AAUization of football recruiting, whether it's Elite Eleven or seven on seven tournaments, 
you saw a lot of super team type behavior, like NBA free agency type behavior among top recruits, whereas geography used to matter more 20 years ago. Now geography matters less. But now the super team thing might not matter as much if somebody's getting a better deal. And as much as they want to go play with their buddies, they're like, yeah, this is I got to do this. Yeah. Like, well, the thing that I'm most curious about, not to hijack the question or to yeah. spend the next 60 minutes on, on this topic what trend or direction do you think NIL is going to be headed in in five years? Do you think that the numbers and the in the uh, the sway of it and how crazy things were on Wednesday is going to be more inflamed or more reasonable in five years? I think they're eventually going to come to some sort of arrangement where the players are employees of something and they collectively bargain. And so there's a salary cap or of, of some kind. NIL will function like endorsements in the pros the way it's supposed to, the way it was meant to. And people just have to figure out how to use use it. And that could create its own kind of redistribution if there's a cap. I know people want to be like, well, they should just pay everybody the same. They're not going to do that because this is America. <laughs> so get it. Well, get there are some that. collectives right now that do pay everybody the same. Right. Uh, or, or like give everybody a baseline deal. Right. Everybody you come a baseline, to the school, but- you get... But the but bigger not, players are going to get more because they're more valuable. Yeah, they're not going to do that because all you do if you do that, if you give everybody the same, is recreate the system that was just in, in place. Force. Yeah, and guess and guess what that created the most lopsided competitive environment in the history of sports. So that's not going to help you if you're trying to create parity. You know what right. it does? There's a league that is probably the most parity of any league. Anywhere in the world. But before that happens, in four years or <laughs> three years that. before that yeah. happens, will you still be having second thoughts on signing day because some booster got excited and wanted to throw a last-minute deal at somebody? Or do you think that this stuff is going to calm down? I think the how much people are willing to spend and the way they're willing to spend it will become more sophisticated. Yeah. Until until the system I talked about goes into place, which seems think, like an inevitability. Yeah, yeah, markets find their level, so that spending will become more sophisticated. That's why my Jordans and, are decreasing value right now. By the way, oh, that's not good. Yeah, the market for items like that are all sports cards, watches. Yeah. Uh, it's all kind of coming down right now as the well, economy reflects there may, it. So, there was yeah. a little bit of fake scarcity going on, and and people aren't stupid. Like mm-hmm. They figure it out after a while. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's let's move on to Shaka's grab-ass question. Is there a possible better fit in Las Vegas than Bobby Petrino calling UNLV's plays? Like, if you're, if you're going to have the turnover slot, you need to have a touchdown slot machine. Like... Every time they score a touchdown, the, the guy who scores gets to pull the lever. I think it'd yeah, be fun. And an NIL deal falls out. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and Barry Odom's a defensive guy. Also, so this isn't a grab ass question, by the way. No, this, this is, is a good this question. This is a legitimate yeah. question. Yeah. I you know, 
There are some people in college football, Andy, right now that are in positions despite the fact that they have a uh, interesting blip on their Wikipedia page. And I do think that there would be positive marketing. And I'm not a PR person, so you tell me. But like just leaning into it. Oh, you mean Bobby Petrino heel turn? Yeah, just like I, I yeah, don't think I, I don't he know. cares or is self-aware enough to even do that. Like his personality is not built for that. So there's got to be just, like a motorcycle pun that he can create or something that would oh, be he, hilarious. I, I, he doesn't strike me as a person who would let the let himself be the butt of the joke, yeah. even if even if he's laughing with us. Like I just can't see it. Like the stuff. Well, that what do you, people view Bobby Petrino in Vegas as a fit though because of the motorcycle accident? They, I, I guess. I guess I I mean I view him as a good offensive coordinator and a very sound offensive mind whose offenses always work. Like the I I honestly think the motorcycle thing, look, he got hired for two head coaching jobs after that. I think it's the way things ended at Louisville that yeah, his, got went off the rails a little his, bit there. Yeah, they basically quit. Like yeah. they quit working. <laughs> that was the problem. Lamar left and everybody quit working. So that's the problem he's facing right now but i tell you what it worked at missouri state and if he comes in and unlv's offense is awesome somebody's going to give him another chance at a, at a high level either as an oc or as a head coach right i mean i feel like unlv would just be a good place to retire like if you're at the end of the road there not that he is but like if you're a coach that's kind of been around the block a few times go get a I nice like place up in summerlin and just coach what, there and i feel like i need to spend some time in the vegas suburbs because the only times I've been there, I've been on the Strip, and that that ain't for me. Oh, no, no. The seem like a place I can, I can Vegas hang. Don't go on the yeah. Strip every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, go out to the Vegas suburbs. they got the the houses that are built into the side of the mountains that have infinity pools in the back that overlook the Strip. Okay. That's I'm, the life. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm there for that. I can, and also, I can if you want to go to the casino, like when I'm in Vegas, unless I'm there with friends, like I'm gambling in off the Strip casinos because it's just such a pain in the ass to, you know, the crowds of people and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you really want to gamble, there's gambling halls there that you can gamble in. But also, if you don't gamble at all, you know, you have all these great restaurants, all these great shows. Uh, if you want to, like, you know, go I'm into the city. I'm just imagining Bobby Petrino at Celine Dion now. That's that's what I want to see. Well, I mean, like, you could go into the into the strip and valet your car at the shopping center that the, the restaurant's in. Go in, have a nice dinner, get your car and drive home or go to a show or do these things. Uh, Britt got me tickets to see Sebastian Maniscalco. Uh, who's one of my favorite comedians in the win in March. And I can't wait to go see that. Um, but at the same time, it's still a beautiful outdoor area. There's outdoor activities. The weather's great. You're close to California. Um, it's just a nice place to live, I think. And especially for your, your twilight years. Yeah, I agree. I could do the, the Las Vegas tourism uh, brochure. Cause I also think that the, the real estate there though, increasing pretty heavily is still rather reasonable in comparison to some of the other West coast cities that you're, you're not that far from. This is why they should have hired you as the head coach or or possibly the president. Well, Jet fish does the whole people come to Tucson to retire here. No, people go to Vegas to retire. People also go to Tucson. I know, but I'm just saying like, (laughs) it's the same type of climate. It's the same views. Yeah. Same outlets, except every great restaurant that's in America also has a location, has a location, one mile strip, uh, you know, strip. So, and you can get a scorpion in it in tequila. Yeah. I'm never going to take a shot ever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our next question comes from Matt. Matt is a Minnesota fan. And he said, can you talk about how fans of mid-tier programs should adjust and manage expectations? As a Minnesota alum, I love how high PJ has brought our floor. Unfortunately, too many fans just focus on why we haven't smashed through the ceiling after teasing it in 2019. 
I love college football because programs can have vastly different goals and celebrate different levels of success rather than it being Super Bowl or bust like the NFL. This made me think of your Ohio State column from last week, Ari, it, yeah. because it, it's just th- it's, it's that to a different degree. You talked about the misery of being an Ohio State fan where they're always good, but given their recruiting, they should be constantly. There's no joy titles. in it. Right, exactly. So you can and, and here's what I'm thinking, because I've been dealing with this a lot where I live because the Florida fans have become increasingly more miserable year after year after year. You can make of it what you want to. Whether you're a Minnesota fan, an Ohio State fan, a USC fan, a Texas fan, a Syracuse, it doesn't you can make of it what you want. And Matt brings up the NFL being Super Bowl or bust is not. It's Super Bowl or bust if you are the a Chiefs fan or if you're a Bills fan, if you're a if you're a Jags fan, you're hoping maybe they make the playoffs. Like if you're a Jets fan, if they could make the playoffs, that'd be a huge step forward. So it's it's more about just having a realistic view of what your team can be and enjoying the moments that it brings you. Like when when Minnesota beats Wisconsin, those should be incredibly enjoyable moments for you because let's face it, they hadn't happened that much in recent history. Yeah, I was on an Arizona uh, podcast as a guest for 15 minutes uh, last week, and Dorian Singer, the really good receiver that they had who transferred mm-hmm. to USC. Yeah, they're the, the hosts of the show were just like, "Is that just what life being a middle tier fan is now? Like, is that what it is? Where if you have a good player, they're just going to bolt to a place that's going to offer him more money and and give them a, a chance to shine." And I do the one thing I do fear about the portal is mm-hmm. that you know, and maybe I'm completely off base on this. You tell me is. If you get a gem in the recruiting realm or somehow you got them to transfer to your program before they became something and you fostered an environment that allowed them to grow, develop, and become something that they weren't when they got there, and then your reward for that is losing them to a bigger team who can just grab them whenever they want now, does that suck the joy out of the little that you can do as a program like that? And then secondly, do you think that a place like Arizona or Minnesota who might be in – the the war path of that or the you know right in the bullseye area of teams that could get poached um do you think you will benefit more or be hurt by the portal more which one do you think it is i think if you do it right you benefit more but you got to do it right like get your shit together western kentucky and tulane kept their quarterbacks power five schools wanted them and how about austin reed the other night huh exactly Exactly. I was throwing piss missiles all over yeah. the place. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and Pratt's going to stay at Tulane. Yeah. Like, they shouldn't be able to keep those guys. Yeah. But they did. So if you're complaining about this, tell your AD, tell your coach, tell your major donors, get your stuff together and keep the best players. My favorite thing about college football is, is that if you're a fan of a team and you happen to be rich, it's your responsibility to save them. like that's the world that we've come into it's like if i were like a millionaire or a multi multi multi-millionaire and like i i'd be like i'm not paying for this person to stay like i would like that's not my responsibility well wouldn't it like it's what it's kind of what it's turned into get your donors together and everybody but only if you've already given money like because for example my alma mater i i didn't realize this till i watched that uber show on showtime but the vc guy who 
made the biggest initial investment in Uber is a former Florida basketball player. You know how much he's given to the athletic department? How much? Zero dollars. Good for him. So nobody's asking him. It's not his or, responsibility. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is, if you, it, the only people who are getting asked for that are the ones who've already demonstrated they want to give money yeah. to sports programs. No, I just so, think it's funny that that's the default now. If somebody, like, when Arizona calls me for regular donations, I couldn't roll my eyes harder. <laughs> well, you don't think yeah. the $100,000 I spent to go to college over four years was enough? It's, it is funny with any school situation because my kids go to a private school and, and they're always fundraising. And like and I'm like, don't I give you a check every year? Like, what's that for? Yeah, that's it's, you know, I was involved in this Ponzi scheme where I bought a textbook for four hundred and thirty one dollars and got sixteen right. bucks back at the end. Why don't you just fill in the middle man there? Like, I, I don't know, like the 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 higher education uh handout situation is very i think uh well, there's a stand up comedy routine we don't so have to it's, it. it's what i always say the business of college is far bigger than the business of college sports yeah i don't know uh if i if if i ever became like who could i be in this if like i like you tell me you're my agent like who could i possibly be one day like oh, if I turn you were, into like, you're going to be Joe Rogan. You're, you're going to have a not. Joe Rogan level <laughs> podcast. But we're going to have that. I'm level talking podcast. about in terms of audience yeah. and, and everything else. So you're you're going to have a Joe Rogan level podcast after you realize that I'm just weighing you down and you get the rid of the other way around. Yeah, no, no. Uh, so, but that'll be you. And you at that point, you'll have more money than you could ever imagine, and yeah. more than you could ever spend in a lifetime. And you'll really need the tax breaks. So you'll just have to figure out how to give it to somebody. Do you get a tax break for paying NIL? Well, it depends on how you do it. I guess if you do if it, if it... If it's for promoting your business, then that is a legitimate business expense. If you're giving it to yeah. a 501c3, conceivably, yes, you get it a tax It is a legitimate business expense, but you can't do a legitimate business expense if you're paying up front, right? Or can you? Well, depend. What are you paying for? If you're paying for a deliverable and you can show that it was to promote your business. Yeah, the IRS doesn't care expense. about NCAA, NCAA rules either, right? Exactly. The IRS didn't worry about it. If you can show that this person was advertising your business and you paid them to do it, you can write off that that, that fee. Does the IRS go, ever go, this is not the right amount that you should be paying for this, or do they just like accept any amount of donations? Or any... like, the, For instance, if you paid somebody a million dollars to do an... Uh, to Coldest Crawford uh, AC... Uh, commercial remember that one from nebraska but then the person who owns that business paid him like 1.9 million dollars to do that commercial would the irs ever be like that's not a normal amount of money that somebody would spend for this that is something they're interested in but as long as you pay taxes on it i think they're as long as they paid taxes on it i think they're probably okay with it yeah but yeah they are they aren't interested in market value and that sort of thing i'm always interested in what the irs is interested in yeah it's I think as long as you pay the taxes you're supposed to pay, according to them, they're probably pretty cool with you. Yeah, I had a buddy so, who like wrote off like thirty five thousand dollars worth of gambling losses, but only makes like eighty grand a year. That and I was wondering, does that jive? Red flag. That, yeah, like, it strikes I, me as a red flag. <laughs> but he had the receipts to show it, so like I didn't know. Like, is the IRS going to be like, where did this money come from? Not not a big gambler, so I don't think I can uh, I can yeah. help you there. Well, Again. maybe somebody who's listening that's familiar with tax code can help me out here. I'm just curious about that. Well, let's while we wait for the uh, the accountants to chime in, let's go to Vince. 
Uh, Vince is a Colorado fan. And at first he goes, 2009 was my freshman year, and it's been in the next you know 15 years, absolute pain. I wanted my question to be about CU since we never get talked about on the pod, but all of that has changed in the past two weeks with yeah. the mind-blown emoji. <laughs> so he said, since graduating, my girlfriend, best friend, and his wife do one away trip every season for CU. We've hit Nebraska, Michigan, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Stanford, Cal, and Air Force. What are you and Ari's favorite tailgating venues and your ideal tailgate food and drink spread? Where do they this live? This is a great question. Well, it doesn't matter where they live. They're asking us well, what schools we want, like for tailgating oh, the most but you and where, want, what we want to eat. But I would, I would, my answer might change based on venue. Like if you lived in Denver, I wouldn't say go to a mountain town. Right, right. You'd, you'd send them to the SEC or yeah, or somewhere different the, from where they the are. But 10. I guess we'll just, I got you. We'll just assume that they're in Denver. Well, let's let's look at Colorado's twenty twenty three schedule. I, I I think that TCU game would be the one to go to, right? Well, also too because the excitement for the program would never be higher. And then you could yeah. do like uh, the stockyards and you could have like yeah. the cowboy go. I'll tell you what, you know, absolutely. The, the, and, you know, and go to, and you go to high, ma'am. <laughs> I know you have a high barbecue near you in Dallas, but it originated in, in Fort Worth and it's, it's great. that it's only a mile away because oh, they, they, God, the, so the Heim that lit as a mile away from me hits just as good as the one in Fort Worth does. Yes. Yes. And and you've got, you got the steakhouses, you got all that, all that food, you know, the, the Friday night dinner beforehand. Now, as far as my favorite tailgating venue, LSU is a better tailgating experience than any other school or any other sporting venue anywhere in the world. It's not close. Stop it with your Kansas City Chiefs or whatever. There's nothing. There's no comparison. So whatever you're doing in your miles of parking lots, I don't care. LSU's better than you. Whatever your school has, LSU's better than you. If you want to see the best tailgating experience in the world, go to an LSU game and don't even go into the stadium. Just tailgate. So this doesn't have to be just a venue that's on uh, that's on the schedule, right? They're just going to random games. Yeah, they get right, and and I would say so. There's a lot of good places in the SEC. I mentioned LSU. Ole Miss is, is fun in the Grove. Now Ole Miss, uh, I, I believe, no open flames, so they're not doing a lot of live cooking in the Grove. That's more you bring your pimento cheese sandwiches. But other places I've been to where where the tailgating. Is just spectacular. Penn State. I was just going to say, Penn State's my answer. Penn State's awesome. Uh, Oregon. Those people have some fun. They're, if you that's go to Penn a, State a for a crowd. night game, that's a non-SEC place that you could really enjoy yourself. Yes. And I also think too that uh, Penn State is in a sneaky, very pretty area of the country. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful so, like, drive-in. Yeah. If you dr- it's kind of a pain in the ass to get to, but if you were to fly into Pittsburgh and drive through the PA Turnpike to get there. Like you get to see kind of the back uh, country roads of Pennsylvania and State College in the mountains. It's just a really pretty drive in the fall. I think everybody should go to a game at Notre Dame if they get the chance. Yeah, it's a it's a I've beautiful never campus. It's a beautiful campus, and the people are so nice, and they get after it in the tailgate lots. Like they are, they they're, they're experienced. Like they have they have all their routines down, and they know exactly what they're doing, and they like to party. So now the the reputation when you get into the stadium is interesting because uh, the joke there was that they had to tell the the blue hairs to to stop yelling at people for standing up and cheering, but outside the stadium they are partying down. So you know I, which I think, one I would like to see, but I don't know if I'll ever get to is Harvard Yale. That would be fun. Wouldn't that be that cool? That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, just tailgating with a bunch of smart people. But those smart don't like don't they say Harvard bars get real rowdy? 
Don't oh, they say sure. that the 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 Harvard bars just because you're smart doesn't mean you don't know how to have a good time? Okay, trust oh, me. I've like been living with the burden of this big brain of mine my whole life, and like it's been <laughs> it's been really hard. But yes. I still like to have fun. Hey, listen, I drank my first beer on an Ivy League campus, so I can't, yeah, there I can't you go. Really say anything. So yeah, it's it is that would be fun. I'm trying to think of just straight up beautiful campuses in terms of sheer beauty. Virginia is one of those. Now that's not a, a rowdy football environment by any stretch. Uh, another great environment is Virginia Tech, though. Like the tailgating scene, yeah. plus and when when they do Inner Sandman, it is one of the coolest things you will ever see. Yeah, I really liked Virginia Tech when I went there. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. You know who gets rowdy is West Virginia. Oh yeah, absolutely. West Virginia is a lot of fun. I, I I've I've been out in the lots prior to a West Virginia. Remember when West Virginia played Oklahoma in 2018? Yeah, I remember. Winner, winner well, goes like to the, the Big 55 Twelve Championship to game. 53 game or whatever. Yes, yeah. the tailgate lots were lit before that game. That was Black yeah. Friday. You know what else? Just like I'm trying to think of like places I've never gone that I would want to experience. Uh, North Dakota State would be pretty cool, I think. Oh, yeah. I think so, like, too. Like those – Oh, or a Wyoming game in Laramie. That would be so awesome. Brawl of the Wild. Apparently, the Missoula games are are the crazier ones when when they're at Montana versus at Montana State. Yeah. So uh, that, that's another uh, And one. the other one, too, that I heard is amazing that I've never experienced myself was Washington. I, I've been to the stadium a few times, but I've never been to a game there. That's another one. They tailgate one I, on I boats there. So they like tailgate, Tennessee like, probably deserves like Tennessee. a – Baylor too. Yeah. So yeah. that's the coolest thing about college football. I think that there's like a hundred places that you could go and they would all be equally awesome. Well, and well, that's not equally the awesome. They'd all be an experience that are unlike but the it's, other but experiences. But it's also what you, and it's also what you make of it. If you go with a, a very open, curious mind, you're going to find cool people, get great stories. And I find that fans want to show visitors how their school is awesome. And, and so they're they open to, be, to it, yeah. Yeah, they tend to be very polite. And, and you know, you hear some stories in the SEC about it getting nasty. But for the most part, the, everybody's pretty civil. Like, you go if you go to Auburn as a visiting fan, you're probably getting welcomed into a tailgate more than you're getting yelled at. Yeah, and there's one more campus that I haven't mentioned, and I always forget to mention them, but I need to whenever we're talking about beautiful campuses. Michigan is stunning. Michigan is a beautiful campus to walk around. I would say... But the game day environment is eh. They park oh, on the golf I've course. I've only ever been there for Ohio State games, though, so yeah. maybe that's why it's a little I'll bit more juiced up. I'll tell you what the up, bet, but. I'll tell you what the thing to do, like late September, early October in Ann Arbor, be there on a Friday before a game and just walk around campus and walk around downtown. It is spectacular. It's it it's it may be the you know just exactly what you would paint if you it said paint a painting of College Town. That's what you would paint. It is so. That that's I, I did that in 2015. I had to do a story kind of on where Michigan was versus where Michigan State was. So I was up there for about a week and I, I started in Ann Arbor on, on Tuesday, was in East Lansing Wednesday, Thursday, went back to Ann Arbor on Friday. And I just remember walking around that afternoon and it was it was in September. It was early in the season. Uh, it was early in the school year. So it was all, all the student organizations had their on, on the diag. That they, you know, it's not the quad, it's the diag because diagonal. Uh, they had, they were all out trying to recruit different, different new students to their organizations. And it was so much fun. It was, you know, beautiful, like postcard perfect day. And that campus is, is awesome. So, yes. Okay. Now, foods real campuses. quick. All right. Your favorite tailgate food. Ooh. I, I like, you know, I like grilled wings. 
those those hit right on a tailgate. Okay. Now again, you can't can't do that at Ole Miss, but most places where you can bring a grill in, you throw wings on the grill. It doesn't take that long to cook. You're not because like doing barbecue is great, but that's an all day all night affair. You, you're gonna want to do other things. You're not gonna want to have to tend something. So I like the the things you can cook a little bit quicker. Burgers, wings. I do like some of the things that you can bring. Like I love just bring some fried chicken, bring some some pimento cheese sandwiches. Like that that's that's a great crowd pleaser. You know minus it's kind of peculiar, but maybe not that peculiar. All right. Pigs in a blanket or anything oh, of the sausage pigs in a variety. Are awesome. Yeah. Like I uh went in to a few tailgates that had pigs in the blanket that were in the crescent rolls. And oh. they, they wrapped it in the crescent rolls and they Hell seasoned yeah, it with the bagel seasoning on yes. it. Put some butter on there. And, the, and it's like a, you got to get a high-quality sausage too. I don't want some some $1.99 hot dog in there. I want like a nice sausage so in there. My mother-in-law teaches piano, and she does recitals for the kids that she teaches and uh, asks the parents to bring uh, just either like a, an hors d'oeuvre or a dessert so that there's kind of a social hour after the recital's over. Uh, so the parents can get to know each other and everything. The last one of them that she did that my kids played in, one of the parents brought pepperoni rolls made with the Pillsbury Crescent Rolls. So this, I, I kind of reverse engineered it as I was eating it and realized what they did. So they, they, you know, you have when you get the Crescent Rolls, you can roll them out flat and then you have to roll them up. So what they did is they put pepperonis on top of them before they rolled them up and then baked them. Oh my God! It was unbelievable. My goodness! <laughs> exactly. Should, they should teach a, a college course about creative ways that you could make uh, crescent rolls slap. <laughs> I think that would be a good twelve. I, twelve. Uh, I, week is there course. anything that doesn't go with them? No. I I agree. And, I, and the I thing mean, with crescent rolls too is that you can like roll it out and and stuff it with stuff and then with roll anything, it in. literally but, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I might do that pepperoni thing tonight. I like, that's, I'm going to hop in the car and I'll just meet you in, in Gainesville. Jeez. Exactly. And it's so easy. That's the part. Like all your, you, you know, it's going to be eight minutes in the oven and then you're done. <laughs> it's Another great. fattest thing I've done in my lifetime. I've eaten the uh, crescent roll batter before baking Before it. cooking it. Yeah. I, haven't we all? It's so good. There's somebody probably listening going, oh my God, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. No, yeah. no. And they're just telling their part. It. Yeah, yeah. Just do just it. Just try it. Not the whole roll. Just, you know, you can have one of the rolls that's not baked. We'll be right back after these words. All right, Ari, last question. This is from HJ. HJ had us, I believe, is the number one show. I'd like to know when or if you two figured out that you wanted to be sports writers and what other job you'd realistically be doing if you hadn't gotten the job as a sports writer um you knew way before me right you you knew when i knew school. in middle school middle school yeah yeah my mom was a, a high school librarian and she'd bring home books all the time and she brought a book home called shoot low boys the ride in shetland ponies and it was a a compilation of columns that lewis grizzard had written for the atlanta journal constitution and he was syndicated about across like 80 newspapers throughout the south and I was reading the columns, and they're very funny. And I asked my mom, I was like, does this guy make any money? And she goes, yeah, he's, he makes a very good living. I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a syndicated humor columnist. And so I figured, you know, I'll just go the journalism route. And at the time, there were only two syndicated humor columnists in the country, Louis Grizzard and Dave Barry. 
Uh, Louis Grizzard died in 1994, so that brought it down to one. Dave Barry won the Pulitzer Prize, very deservingly so. Uh, got a TV, got got a TV show written after his life, and started doing other things. So that brought it down to zero. So I'm in college, and the job I have always wanted is gone. But I did le- read another Louis Grizzard book called "If I Ever Get Back to Georgia, I'm Going to Nail My Feet to the Ground." That was about his journalism career. Uh, he was a, a Georgia graduate. And he had gone into sports first. He'd, he'd worked at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution as a sports writer. Uh, he'd been at the Chicago Sun-Times as a sports writer. And so I said, well, if Lewis started as a sports writer, I'll start as a sports writer. And then we'll just go from there. And so that's that's what I did. Now, if I wasn't doing this, I, I've i thought about this a lot. I, I think the only thing I'd really like and find fulfilling is I'd probably be a high school English teacher and that school's offensive line coach. Like that, that seems like the job I would enjoy the well, most. Well, I could take the Andy English te- uh, uh, course because I need one. Um, I, wonder what, I wonder what books I'd assign. Uh, the ones that you wrote? No, I'd, <laughs> I'd assign better books than that. Come on. Um, so my story isn't quite as profound as yours. Maybe it is, depending on how you, but I first started at the University of Arizona as a business major. And the first course I took at Arizona was like a certification course on how to do Microsoft Excel, which, by the way, because <laughs> everybody says a, they can do Excel, but nobody actually can. I had no idea before that course how deep it goes. Like Excel <laughs> is a monster of a like the things that you can do in there. I think you could conceive a child in there if you do. Oh, every the time the right I way. post like, when, when I when I do a spreadsheet just to to illustrate something in a story, and I post the spreadsheet, the spreadsheet bros. Or on me fast. No, I mean, if you really get deep big, into big, it, like big spreadsheet is a scary, scary place. But anyway, so I was in this other course, like business 101 or some bullshit. I don't know. And it was in the fall, and I was sitting there like, God, I hate this stuff. I don't care about any of this. I can't stand it. And then I like actually like talked to my dad on the phone and he said, Well, what do you like? Like, what like what are the things mm-hmm. that you like to do? And uh Believe it or not, it was lay on my ass and watch college football all day. Uh, that was my favorite thing. <laughs> um, and he goes, because, you know, you might think about my dad was always like, he's a funny dude and he, uh, um, you know, gets his jokes off and stuff. But he's a pretty profoundly smart dude, I think. And uh, he said, you know, you could look at the salaries and you can look at, uh, you know, how much you're supposed to make and all this in, in the field. But the thing that I've learned in my life as somebody who didn't do something that he loves for a living is that watching people who do something that they love for a living not only leads to joy every day because you don't feel like you have a terrible job or, the, you know, that job that creates the Sunday scaries, but also if you're passionate, invest yourself into any craft, the money will come. And I and I took that seriously and I thought, well, what could I do because I'm not going to be playing it. Right. Or coaching it, which, by the way, I, I thought like, well, if I was at U of A and I wanted to be a coach and I did a GA program, could I have gone that route? That would have been really cool because, uh, you know, that would have been a fun job. But the more I cover it, the least I see Rich Rod ripping your ass or Mike Stoops. Ripping it was your Mike ass, Stoops. And that and he was that. actually super nice to me back then. But I, he, I, wasn't, I, he wasn't nice to the GAs, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee I, uh, you that. But then I thought, well, what could I do that would help me like watch the sports and get paid for it? And I got into journalism because, you know, I wanted to go to football games and I wanted to be compensated for going to those games. And when I first got into journalism school 101, the courses of like they had deadlines and notebooks and all these words that I had no concept of, I like thought to myself, like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? This is not what I thought it was. 
And then I stuck with it, and then I got hired at the student newspaper as a second semester freshman. And I went to my first sporting event, which was the lacrosse game, and I got to write about it, and it got in the newspaper. And from that point on, like I remember to this day like sending my parents the clip in the mail that the Arizona Daily Wildcat of like, hey, I got published as a writer, and that was kind of – and, and the, the craziest thing about my transition, Andy, more than anything, was that – it went from a love of sports to the love of journalism and the love of writing and the love of making people laugh and writing things that people care about. And the college football is almost secondary. I, I, I truly believe that you can't be good at this job if you don't have a love for both. You can't just love college football. If you don't no. like writing and you don't like making the calls or transcribing or researching yeah. things, like there are daunting daunting stories, but you have to fall in love with the work. Um, and I think we both have done that. And as my dad said, the – financial stuff has come and you know because when you start in journalism what was your first job how much did you get paid mine was like 17 grand oh i was very lucky my first job paid 30 and yeah, you were it lucky was, uh, now i i didn't get it right out of college i had to freelance and i was probably at that point making about 19 or 20 a year yeah uh, when i was freelancing and uh but, and that's why yeah. so many people flame out like all of my best friends and i, I joke with them about this all the time but all my best friends to this day, you know, I've got a few from high school still, but the closest friends I have are college friends who I worked with at the student newspaper. And I'm the only one left that that works in the newspaper yeah. or journalism industry because, you know, journalism degrees give you a nice talent to go out there and or, or trait, you know, being able to write is an important thing. But yeah, but, it, but sticking it, with it's a hard thing because you right. got to It doesn't eat, necessarily make you a you reporter. You got to eat terrible salaries for five, yeah. six years before you ever make a livable wage. And then once yep. you get into a livable wage situation, then the money becomes more palatable and, and increases over time. So my my number one advice to anybody would be the advice that my dad gave to me, which is find out what you love to do and try to pour yourself into that one thing, regardless of what the field is. And if you get great at it, and you will because you love it, you will be financially compensated to your liking for and, that and, thing. And the other part of it is you won't mind when you're – like I mentioned when I was freelancing after college and, and didn't have a full-time job. Those are some of my favorite memories. Yeah. Some of those stories and, and just what was going on in my life at the time, despite being completely broke, was some of my favorite times. So because I was doing what I wanted to do. And that means so much more than having a great starting salary right after college. Because like you said, it'll come. And look, I thought after college that I was going to go become a newspaper reporter. I, I'd cover high schools or colleges. Maybe by the time I was in my 40s, I'd become a columnist. The newspaper, one of the newspapers I work for still exists. One of them doesn't. Mm -hmm. It closed in 2016. And, I mean, and like you never know, too. Like with your next place that you work might not exist yet. Right, right. Or you and, might want to be so, athletic for 25 more years. Who knows? Well, and the other thing is podcasts didn't exist. Like, if you'd have told me you're going to be doing five shows a week with some guy who lives <laughs> eight states away from you, yeah. and it's going to make people laugh, and, and you, it's going to be the most fun part of your job, I'd be like, no, I didn't go to school for that. But you also have to be adaptable as you go. I mean, There's a lot it, of people it, who went to school for what we did who can't do it. Yeah. In our, in our field, it's you've had to adapt or you've had to go find something else to do. And it's not, our field's not unique in that way. Everybody's field is like that. So, you know, it, it be open-minded, you know, pick the job that, that you love, pick the craft that you love, but don't get too married to format because 
that's going to change on you. Just be open-minded and be adaptable and try to find a job that lets you have some fun. And that's, that's how you be happy. That's, that's really it. There's not much more of a secret than that. So yep. I hope if somebody's you know searching for, for what they want to do or hasn't quite figured it out yet, I hope that helps a little bit or helps kind of nudge you all along the way. But if you like playing the piano, play the piano. If you like painting, paint. <laughs> if you like laying around your ass watching college football. It actually is funny because build first, up some hot takes. The first 10 years of my career, I didn't anything but lay around on my ass. On no, Saturdays. you had to call recruits and like, and like <laughs> go to games and yeah. be running down to the sta- to the stands to find something that happened in the middle. of the, Like it wasn't like. But now this past year, half the Saturdays yeah. were laying around. The, the glamorous stuff doesn't come till later. That's that, that's yeah. my my favorite is when I'm in a, a press box and somebody from the college paper comes up and how do I get your job? I'm like, well, uh, well eat first, shit for ten years and then call first, me back. <laughs> first, you're gonna go cover some high school soccer games in the rain, <laughs> and, then, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, but it, it is it, it's so much fun, and I want to thank all of you. You know, we, we highlighted some of those listeners today who, who've been with us and, and who <laughs> spend so much of their time with us. And I, I really appreciate this probably more time than my wife spends with me. So uh, I, I really appreciate that. And we're going to give you more great shows starting, well, right now, all week. We, we got previews of the college football playoff coming up. Uh, Ari's going to be covering the Fiesta Bowl. I will be covering the Peach Bowl. Uh, we got our, another Bowl picks extravaganza coming up, I and mean, we can't we can't leave out the Mayo Bowl. We got, we got to pick who wins the Mayo Bowl. So it's going to be another big week, all kinds of fun. This season's not over yet, and really, what college football season never ends. We know it's that. never over now, man. We'll talk to you later. 